The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. All right, all right, here we go. It is a few minutes after 7 o'clock on your Monday evening. Lior is here, ready to answer all of your questions. That means only one, well, it means several things, but the most important thing is the phone lines are open and ready for you. 416-870-6400. Let's see what kind of questions we get asked tonight. Pick up that phone. Don't be bashful. Bring it on. You have questions about your job, maybe going back to work, maybe you haven't been called back to work, or you've been told that you... uh you got to have a vaccine before you walk through the door, all that stuff. Give us a call, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're here for just a little shy of an hour to give you all those answers on a Monday night. And uh, emails welcome, of course. We're going to be talking about some many questions that Lior gets. Uh, Is my employer allowed to do this, Lior? We'll get to those in just a bit, maybe an email or two, but uh, but there you go. We are set to go. We always start, though, with the week that was. Pal, how are you? Hey, John. Great to be here. Great to be back. Uh, great to be talking employment law on a Monday evening. So let's uh, keep it busy. Let's keep the questions coming. I know the questions are there because I've been getting nonstop emails, calls mm-hmm. with those questions. So take advantage. I'm still here and, and ready to rock and answer those questions. If, you, if you're dealing with a workplace problem like so many people are right now, maybe it's COVID-19 related, maybe it's not. Either way, call us with that question it can be solved and it could potentially be solved with just a phone call to this show right now. So why not do that and make your life easier and better in the process? Of course, another way to make your life uh, hopefully a bit easier is to reach out to me off air so we can have a more in-depth and private discussion. Happy to have that with you at any time. We'll give you that contact information again throughout the show. So stay tuned for that. But let's discuss a couple things that I think are very, very important. Mm -hmm. First thing, Big news came out uh, from the Ontario government last week. So you, you've, if you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about the COVID layoffs or also known as the IDEL, the Infectious Disease Emergency Leave. So essentially that is a, a leave that uh, the government of Ontario said to employers, you can put employees on a leave and that date has been extended a number of times. Most recently that date was uh, July the 3rd. So a lot of employees that have been off work for months, even potentially more than a year, were waiting to be back to work July 3rd, just in a couple of weeks from now. And, you know, they were eagerly waiting to either be back or at least to find out what the status is. Well, unfortunately, the Ontario government has moved the goalposts, and that date has now been pushed back till September the 25th. Wow. I should say that uh, it's probably the fourth time that the government of, of Ontario has extended the date. So if you were waiting to hear from your employer in the next couple of weeks, you may now not hear from them for another few months. So that sounds like bad news, Mm -hmm. but there's a silver lining. It doesn't mean that you're out of options. You can't say at any time now, you can say enough is enough. I I don't want to wait anymore. I've been waiting for God knows how long. I thought it's going to end in July. Now it's September. Enough. I don't want to wait. And in that situation, what you can do is you can treat this layoff, this leave, as a termination of your employment. 
you can make the decision instead of waiting for the employer to make the decision you can make the decision now that you're done you don't want to have to you don't want to wait you can get your severance now you have the right the power and the ability to make that decision if that's what you want to do unfortunately it's not as simple as just sending your employer an email they'll push back on that that's where you need to get me involved it's not a problem we've done this for literally hundreds and hundreds of people so give me a call send me an email and let's talk about that i do think if you've been laid off for many months now and you thought you're going back i do think enough is enough i do think it's time to say let's just force the issue let's just get you the severance so you can move forward instead of just sitting at home waiting and hoping uh that something is going to happen at some point uh, i think enough is enough john yeah no kidding 416-870-6400 is a way to call through ask your questions carl quick off the uh, off the top how are how are you pal good evening good how are you today excellent what's on your mind good well i have a question for leor so uh, uh i work for a bank which of course is uh federally regulated and we have to do courses on a regular basis such as anti-money laundering anti-terrorist financing fatca code of conduct and so on a new course has been added to this regime and it's called anti-racist awareness now this is been uh, required of all employees, and it is not a matter of corrective action. Uh, my question is, can such a request for something, something that actually delves into the purely psychological, can it be required uh, by a bank of all employees? Can it be legally required? Well, the, the, the legal answer is no, in the sense that there, there's no law that says that they have that right to make you have that training so yeah strictly speaking you can say you don't have that right uh bank so i'm not going to do it the practical answer though is a bit different and the practical answer is that if you do that you probably will be out of a job uh they will choose to terminate you keeping in mind of course that they're allowed to let you go right as long as they pay severance so they will have to pay severance but I think the bank is going to take that seriously because they want to be able to show if there's ever any lawsuit against them, a claim, some allegation that they did something wrong, they want to show, no, no, we take these seriously. We have policies. We've trained people on, on our expectations, so our hands are clean. So they don't want to have employees that have not gone through that training. So can they make you know, but could you lose your job if you refuse? The answer is yes, you could. Right. And having put in 30-plus uh, years, of course, that, that is a concern, but it definitely uh, could not uh, in any way reflect on the severance. That, that would be a matter of reprisal, correct? It's not a, it's not a reprisal. It's simply they would have to pay severance. They would not oh, be able true. to avoid paying severance. Right. Uh, it's Yeah, they, they would certainly have to because that would not be a form of misconduct. Uh, so... If you choose to go that route and you're, you're, you prefer to lose your job in those circumstances, sure, that's that's fine. And, you know, your severance could be significant. It could be as much as 24 months pay. So you'd have to decide. Right. Well, I guess my question wasn't as accurate as it could have been. What I mean is that in no way can the severance be affected. No, it would not be affected. Okay. Well, that is a, that is a very uh, clear-cut answer to something which I thought was a little more in the gray zone. So thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time and the early phone call. You want to reach out any other time for more questions? You probably know already, but one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The way to go: help at employmentlawyer.ca. 
And just like Carl, ask your questions. you got lots of time on a Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. That would be a 416-870-6400. What was the uh, second matter we were just about to get into uh, with you, pal? Yeah, so this is uh, came from a call I had with someone today. So this gentleman that I spoke with had been off work for a couple of months with a, a medical issue, and he was ready to come back to work. Uh, and he had a doctor's note from his doctor saying he's ready to come back to work, although he probably won't be able to work at full capacity and at full speed for a little while as he continues to recover. Uh, his employer responded and said, well, no, if you can't meet your quotas, if you can't do your job at full capacity, we don't want you back until you're ready to come back. So he uh, he said, fine, I'll do my best. I just want to get back to work. So he went back to work. And sure enough, because of his medical condition, he wasn't able to do his job fully at, at full speed uh, and, and you know meet all the quotas. Well, he was called into a meeting earlier today saying, well, you're not doing your job. We've told you you have to. So we have cause to let you go. Out you go. We're letting you go today for cause. Mm-hmm. Of course, he called me. He called me, I think, within 60 seconds of this happening. And he wanted to know his rights. Well, this company really did make some, some big significant mistakes. Number one, we have to remember that an employer has to accommodate an employee. And that means allowing them or accepting that if there's a medical condition, they may not be able to do their job fully. Now, keep in mind, an employer that has an employee that's only working at 75% capacity can say to that employee, well, we're only going to pay you 75% of salary. That's okay. Hmm. But they can't say, unless you do your job like like nothing happened, you're out of here. That's a human rights violation. That's illegal. And that's certainly not cause. He didn't do anything wrong. All he did is have a medical condition. All he did is follow his doctor's orders and did his very best despite his condition. So not only is this a wrongful dismissal, it's a human rights violation. So I'm going to help him deal with this. I'm going to help him get what he's owed. But he has to remember, and you have to remember, and all our listeners have to remember, that an employer has to accommodate. An employer cannot punish you if you have a medical condition. You cannot be punished because you're struggling with it, because you're not working in the same way that you did before because of that condition. As long as you have a doctor's note backing you up, you cannot be punished, and there's going to be some significant consequences for this employer. And, I mean... Is at the end of the day, when you have your medical team backing you, that's all you need. The doctor says you can't go back. You can't go back, right? If the doctor says you can't go back or if the doctor says, yes, you can go back, but you need modified duties or modified hours or some other accommodation, then that's what the employer has to do. You know, the doctor says the employer has to find a way to make it happen. Simple as that. Rick, I see you there. We're going to uh, get you just to hold for one more moment. We've got to squeeze in a quick break. Uh, you and then Tony will be up next and your phone calls as well. We've got lots of room, lots of time. 416-870-6400. We'll continue. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. 
And welcome back. Global News Radio Indeed, Employment Law Show, Monday, Wednesdays, weekend shows. We're all over it anytime. We're live here, of course, 416-870-6400. That is how you get on air and ask your questions. Rick, thank you so much for hanging on. Good evening. Good evening, John. Good evening, Leor. I had a question regarding the new provincial COVID benefits. Tomorrow I go and get my second Pfizer shot. And if I have a reaction and have to take a day or two off work, would I be eligible for that? Yes, absolutely. So you can get the the, the sick days, let's call them, the, the provincial benefit if you're experiencing a side effect from a vaccine. Absolutely. Uh, you could potentially take the full three days or, or get paid that, that full three days. So that's not a problem at all. All right. Thank you. I was just curious because I had a discussion with my office manager and she didn't think that was eligible, but now I know. So thank You're you very absolutely much. eligible. Yeah, no problem. 100% eligible. Thanks, Rick. You're awesome. Appreciate your time. 416-870-6400. Tony, thanks for hanging on. Oh, wait, i got to get Tony. Butterfingers. Thanks, guys. Hey, man, how are you? Good, good. Thank you. Um, good. question I have is uh, my, my company offered me severance of uh, 14 months. And I want to know that they offered to pay it over a six-month period. If I get a job over that six-month period, can they stop the payments? Great question. Excellent question. So let's break this down. Let's first of all assess whether 14 months is actually appropriate. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. So let's talk a bit about that. How long have you worked there for, Tony? 16 years. 16 years. And what kind of a job and how old are you? Sales and I'm 55. So 14 months is actually on the uh, on the kind of weak side. You're probably going to be owed, you know, anywhere from 16 to 18 months actually. So right off the bat the the thing that I would be concerned about is 14 months is less than what you're owed. There's potentially another 4 months there. That's issue number 1. But to answer your specific question, uh in it's not a bad thing to pay to get it paid over 6 months because they could have said we'll pay it over 14 months. Now, in terms of what happens if you find another job, if the document that you sign says, if I find another job, then I get cut off, that's what happens. If it doesn't say that, then you can find a job right away and it won't impact it. So it would have to say it specifically in that severance document that you sign that you get reduced or you get cut off if you find another job. So my advice right now, Tony, is maybe we should have a chat to, to negotiate the proper terms with your uh, former employer because there's a few months of extra severance there that you're owed. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, can I ask you one more thing? If I you was, uh, I had benefits and I also had a gas card that I was entitled to, does that mean that I still have to get the gas card for the next 14 months? So when benefits, absolutely. In terms of a gas card, if you were using the gas card not just for work. You were using it for personal reasons, you know, driving with your family, taking the car to the, to the cottage on the weekend, whatever it is, then yes, it has to be included. If you were just using it to gas up to go to and from work, then no. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, okay. I appreciate that. You answered my questions. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks Tony. Tony. And uh, remember, don't hesitate to call and clear up that uh, that first issue for sure. one 821 5900 That number, Tony, now that you're, uh, you're off the air, you can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here now, of course, 416-870-6400. Jim, good evening. Oh, hi. 
great show, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. man. Appreciate it. Go ahead. So it's about uh, my partner, we'll call him Bill, uh, works for a media company, music media company, and he recently had to sign some code of ethics or whatever. And occasionally, you know, just for personal use, I might download some music off the internet and might listen to it at home, not on company equipment, not on company time. But if they ever found out that he, you know, was listening to pirated music at home, could they ever, you know, terminate him because he breached the company code of conduct? So the code of conduct actually says... Uh, even if you haven't downloaded it, if you listen to something that someone else downloaded, then that's a breach. Is, is that what it says? I don't know. He might he might listen to it at home with me, but I'm just saying I'm I'm not sure of the exact wording. But apparently, it's like you are not allowed to you know engage in any pirating or whatever. I think ultimately what they're concerned about is that he actually engages in an illegal act. You know. I say illegal in quotation marks. You know, no one's gonna, you know, run over and arrest him. But uh, so I think what they're concerned about is that he's actually not downloading music illegally. If he's, you know, listening to something that you downloaded, is actually not 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 a an, an illegal act. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. The only time he'd have a concern is if actually what he's doing is considered illegal. In that case, perhaps. But as I understand it, listening to something that someone else did. It, there's no laws being broken there. Oh, okay. But actually, even if he did at home for personal use, that could still they could still terminate him if they ever found out. And what kind of a company is it? What kind of a business is this? It's just like a music media company kind of thing. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, because it's kind of related enough to what they do, and and it could impact them if if the the. The down, you know, the, the, it's you know, it's, if he was working at the Walmart, I would say there's yeah. no connection whatsoever. So th that would be silly for them to to care. But given the nature of the business, I can see them having a concern. That doesn't mean that if he downloads something, they can just say that's it, you're gone. But they may discipline him, and potentially, if it happens again, maybe then they can consider terminating him. So it's probably good advice for him not to engage in that type of activity, not to risk anything with his employer. Okay. Well, great. Thanks. Your advice is always gold. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time tonight, Jim, as well. And you still have time, 416-870-6400. Next call is going to be Ron. Hey, Ron, good evening. Good evening. I have a COVID-related question. Great. Uh, I have a friend who's worked for a company for 15 years, and the company has instituted a policy uh, whereby all employees must submit to uh, rapid ant antigen test uh, at least once a week. And the, my friend has been uh, agreeing to non-invasive testing like questionnaire and temperature check at the beginning of each shift and uh, doesn't want to have to be involved in invasive testing. So the employer has issued him a letter that his uh, refusal is in subordination. So how, uh, what is the uh, friends' rights in this case. Right. How should he proceed? Because 
he they won't allow him to work. So actually, earlier today, I was actually reading an arbitration decision that happened in a unionized context where it was exactly the same issue. The issue was whether or not the employer overstepped in requiring uh, rapid tests on a regular basis. And the arbitrator found in that case that, no, the employer was on side. They were allowed to do that given the, the potential harm that could happen with COVID-19. My advice then would be to do it, to do the tests. I think that given, again, the, the seriousness of the pandemic and that, you know, with rapid tests, they're, you know, not, not too bad. I, I would suggest that if he doesn't do it, he may be considered to be insubordinate and potentially lose his job. Now, once COVID, the risk of COVID becomes even less, hopefully in the coming weeks and months, then my answer may be different at that point. At that point, I would, I would say that there's really not enough of a need or a concern for the employer to require these tests. But right now, I'm going to say that the employer is still allowed to do it. So your friend should really take that into consideration. Uh, interesting that you should mention that you had just read that uh, in a union situation because I almost guarantee you that I read that yesterday. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't see how this applies because it's a different situation. From it, it, it is different. I'm not saying to you that it's binding on anyone. It's not. But I, I, I think the reasoning uh, applies and the reasoning was, listen, you know, we normally wouldn't want the employer to do that, but given the uniqueness of the situation, global pandemic, serious people can die from it, that the employer is going to have more leeway than it otherwise would, especially with something that's not you know, invasive necessarily. So that would be my advice here to say that, uh, yeah, the employer is going to be able to do it. Ron, appreciate your time. Got to move on. 416-870-6400 is the way to make that phone call. Hi, Chris. Good evening. Hi, good evening. How's it going? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you? All right. Well, I uh, worked for a company and sold products for them. And I've left that company and moved on to another company that sells the same products. And uh, I had, did not own the uh, or have any ownership in the clientele. Uh, and I was just wondering, I, there is a non-compete and a non-solicit. And I uh, myself do not plan on breaching or soliciting any of the clients. However... If the clients really, really want to come uh, to the firm that I'm at, uh, what do I do? So is, did you have both a non-solicit and a non-compete? Or, or, or just a non-solicit, Chris? Did you have a non-compete as well? Both. So arguably, you're in breach of the non-compete only because you're, you're working for a competitor. So right there, that could be an issue. The reality is that in most cases, probably 90 plus percent of cases, a non-compete is not enforceable, but that doesn't necessarily stop your former employer from trying to enforce it and taking legal action against you. So you should be aware of that and you should make your, your present company, your current company, aware that that's a possibility. So the problem that, I see here that, is the non-compete. And, and I'm good to, com- to work at the new firm. You I'm checked with the old company? Yeah, I'm still good. To- okay. To, to be in the industry and, and still work at the new firm. So we're checking okay. that. It's just so question. then to answer the question about uh, the non-solicit, non-solicit has to do or solicitation has to do with who made the first move. So if you uh, call on someone and say, hey, guess what? I'm working over here now and I'd love to have your business. You've just solicited. 
If they say, hey, uh, Chris, I heard that you're working here now. I'd like to work with you. Then you haven't solicited. What I would advise in that situation is make sure there's a bit of a record that they contacted you. If, you know, maybe send them an email confirming that they reached out to you first. Some Create some record in case you're ever challenged. You're going to be able to to show that you didn't make the first move. You didn't go knocking on their door. They came to knock on yours. You are the man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. You have any more questions moving forward? Uh, no problem. You can call the man. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But of course, here and now, still got some time. We're rocking, as as Lior says. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the way to do that. Thanks for uh, standing by for a couple minutes and your patience, Mohammed. Good evening. Hi. Good evening. What's going on? Yeah, um, I have a pretty good question related to COVID nineteen layoffs. Uh, it happened last year uh, when the pandemic began, and what happened in the beginning? I was hired by a company uh, that recruits people for the to perform for certain companies. And what happened when the, uh, I was only two months, two weeks in the company, almost three weeks in the company it was in April, and I was let go and without uh, any notice from that company I was uh, working for. And in the end, what happened? The original recruiter did not respond to me or did not inform me regarding any layoffs. So uh, I just got the notice notified from my uh, from the company I was working for. Uh, I was re- recruited for, and in the end, I did not receive any severance uh, or things. So just I want to know: is there any severance or anything I owe with that company, with the recruiting yes, company? There is potentially. Now, when you said you were recruited. Were you re- working at another company when uh, you were recruited away? Yes. And how long did you work with that other company? Uh, it was uh, almost three weeks. It was the beginning of uh, end of February last year when the pandemic began. And in the end, in the April, suddenly a uh, lot of companies decided to let go. Uh, I mean, go uh, started people working from home. And I was not given a chance to work from home, and I was let go. Uh, no, no, but but you said you were recruited, and then you only worked for three weeks. But before you were recruited, were you working at another company? No. I see. Okay. So you are still entitled to severance unless you signed an employment agreement that says that in the first three months, they can let you go without compensation. If you signed an agreement that says that, then you're not entitled to severance. If you have not, you could easily be owed a month's pay, maybe even more than that, uh, even though you only worked there for a short period of time. The other thing you may have is you may have a claim of negligence against the recruiter who should have known better uh, in these situations and should have protected you more. So yeah, you may have some entitlements, Mohammed. so I'd be happy to have a chat with you off air and take a look at any employment agreement that you signed and see how we can help you. Perfect. That was a couple of like more than forty-five pages I signed for the for the recruiting company, okay. and I didn't. I think I might have like uh, didn't go through that particular clause that you're discussing right now. So, well, let's let, let me take a look at it. I know I know exactly what I'm looking for, so it won't take me long. So happy to chat with you. Reach out to me and let's uh, let's make it happen. Thanks for your time, Mohammed, and you know the number now by this time, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. help at employmentlawyer.ca. Moving on. Terry, thank you. You're up next. Uh, good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm calling on behalf of my wife. My wife works for 
uh, Big Pharma, and she worked for one of the major pharma companies, and she's been with the current company she's with now for seven years, but she was eight years with the previous company. Her current company approached her, gave her a $5,000 bonus to leave, and now they're talking about a severance of about seven months' pay. So you're, I think you're asking, you know, should they account for the time that she had with the previous company that where, where she worked for eight years? Am, am I right? Yes, and then the level she's at, uh, I don't know if it makes a difference. She's one hundred and sixty-five thousand a year, mm-hmm. and she's sixty-four years of age. And what kind of a what what does she do? What was her job title? Uh, if you can tell me, she's a, se- a senior sales executive. And so she's so she's old more than seven months, but not because of the, the the eight years she had previously. Unfortunately, those don't count. But just based on her seven years, you know, considering she has a senior and well-paying role and she's in her sixties, she easily could be owed as much as twelve months' pay. Okay, so well, forget about seven months; it could be as much as twelve months. So that's the thought, issue here. I thought that, it, that because they approached her, she didn't apply for a job. They came to her and said, we would like you to come leave your position and come and, and join our corporation. Yeah, you could, that, that idea, we call that inducement, only applies in the first two to three years of employment. It, it doesn't continue, you know, in your, your wife's case, seven years later. So even though if, if you had said she only worked there for a year, now they're letting her go, I would have said, well, wait a second. Because they approached her when she wasn't looking, they have to account for her old job. But because it's already been seven years, that doesn't go that far. Well, then she won't get much of a severance. Well, I just told you she's owed 12 months. Yeah, okay. I guess that's something, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the difference between seven and 12 months for her is probably about, you know, $50,000 or so. I mean, that's significant. So I'd be more than happy to have a chat with her uh, and and make sure that she gets it because, you know, seven months is not going to be appropriate for her. So what if she said, I don't want to take the severance, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here? Well, okay, it's a question of are they giving that to her as an option or are they, they simply terminating her employment? If they're saying, hey, we're giving you two options, you can stay here or you can take this amount of money, then it's up to her what she prefers. If they've said, too bad, you're gone, we're letting you go, then she doesn't have the option to stay. Okay. Which, okay, one, which one is it? Question, are, are they... Are they terminating or are they giving her an option? They're giving her the option to stay or leave. I see. Then hmm. if they're giving her the option, the law kind of stays out of it in the sense that there's, it doesn't really matter what she's owed. I mean, they can offer her five bucks. If, if she's happy with five bucks and draw the leave, she can take the five dollars. There's no way to make them pay her more. The only time the law comes in and imposes severance obligations is if they unilaterally decide to let her go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So All right. It makes sense. Yeah, I understand now. Thanks, Terry. All right, Terry. Appreciate you. Want to reach out? Get that. Uh, get that extra coin. Might be worth it there for you. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is how you do that. Here, still got. Uh, yeah, we still got some minutes. How about that? Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Stephen, thanks for standing by for a few moments. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um. I work part-time for a, a company that has um, clinics, and it's divided into four different routes. And the route that I have is the one that pays the least. 
and then other routes become available, and I, I would like to get it, but they're saying that it'll be hard to get a new employee to come in for the hours that are not being advertised on the job ad, the job, uh, I guess, posting. So am I entitled to that, or is it I just got to basically deal with what I have? Stephen, are you part of a union? No, it's not, it's part-time. It's a part-time job. So an employer does not have the obligation to switch you to a different route or, or to, to change your job. So all they think they have to do is to kind of keep things status quo. So if they say, for whatever reason, we're happy with you doing this job, we're not going to put you in the other one, there's not much that you can do about that. They, they couldn't unilaterally say, we're putting you in, in, in a worse route because that would be changed the terms of your employment. But by the same token, you can't make them put you in a different one either. So the fact that I make on average 15 hours less every two weeks, and I've been there for almost two years. Uh, Listen, if no- you're asking me out of, out of fairness, I agree with you 100%. Yes, they should work with you. You've been there for a while and, and help you you know, make some more, more money. But from a legal standpoint, not a fairness standpoint, from a legal standpoint, they don't have to, unfortunately, Stephen. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Maybe now, maybe now they'll have to look for another driver. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, Glad we could help, Al. Enjoy the rest of your evening and, uh, and drive safely for sure. It is 7.43. There you go. So, um, you know, I just I, I read just as we're uh, getting down the last couple minutes here, heard today that I think it's uh, it's more than one now. I think it's U of T, Queens, and possibly another one have now made it mandatory, mandatory for students and staff to be fully vaccinated before returning to school. This isn't the case when we've talked about with employers. You said in certain situations, you know, if you're in long-term care or the medical medical industry, maybe. But uh, I thought that was kind of a big thing that's, that's moving forward. Do you think that's going to become more widespread? Well, I actually, you know, I would raise some concerns as to whether or not, despite the fact I'm doing that, is that legal? So right. if challenged, and I expect it will be challenged, they may have some legal battles because I don't agree that they can actually do that legally. The fact that they are doing it doesn't mean that they, they're legally allowed to, and if challenged, that, that could be a, a different situation. So uh, unless there's ever a law implemented that says you can do that, unless the government mandates them to do that, then they can't. Uh, I do think more employers are going to try uh, and more businesses are going to try to say, you know, in order to, to come back, in order to work, whatever it is, you have to be fully vaccinated. But unless that's based on what the government is requiring them to do, there could be liability there. The general rule is you cannot be forced yet at this point to be vaccinated. And like you said off the top of the show, just to reiterate, the uh, infectious disease emergency leave has once again been extended till September, but you don't have to tolerate that, do you? September the 25th. So if you've been sitting at home waiting and hoping that by July you'll hear from your employer, that's not going to happen. You don't have to accept that. You can treat this now as a termination and get your full severance up to 24 months pay. If you'd like to do that, let's connect and I'll help you do it. And good stuff. Appreciate all your phone calls. Lots for a Monday night. It's fantastic. Keep it up. We're going to come back and do it all again on Wednesday evening. So if you didn't get your questions or didn't have one ready in time, no problem. Wait till Wednesday. We'll do it all again. Get you live here with us as we uh, get to another show in the weekend shows. Of course, if you haven't been there, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Fantastic website full of employment law information and the severance pay calculator. Reaching out to Lior, been giving it out to uh, every show. one 821 5900 And of course, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Like I said, we'll catch you Wednesday. Don't go anywhere, though. Stick around. Uh, She's coming right back. Alex Pearson and On Point on Global News Radio.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. 